You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're tuned into DC's DFS Challenge with Dan Mader and Chris Pinto. Live on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Hello, everybody out there listening to the DC's DFS Challenge show. I am your boy, Dan Mater, the host of this show, and I am all by myself today. No Chris Pinto, no Mikey Betts, no Chas Filardi, but have no fear. We still have our DC's DFS Challenge Tournament going on for you guys here today, which means you'll be able to click on the link, which you can find on the social media feed if you're watching this live on Twitter and or Facebook at WWSRN Radio on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, or if you're following Belly Up Sports at Belly Up Fantasy on both Twitter and Facebook, all different ways. To get, remember, when you when you join, when you join, you're playing for the chance to win $100 at championshipfootballs.com sponsored by Mr. Chaz Florida, who won't be with us here today, who will only be with us in spirit. But it's a free contest. Make sure you guys sign up. We're doing the 7 o'clock hour for the NBA DFS lineup tournament tomorrow. That's only There's only six games total tomorrow. That's, that's the hour. That's the contest that has four games available. We always do the contest that has the most games available, so the most players to choose from. I'll go over what my lineup is along with my bets for some bets for tomorrow, but we're going we're gonna to jumpstart on the Super Bowl. We're going to start talking about some of the player props, bets of the Super Bowl, what I like for the Super Bowl today because, again, it's just going to be me. Just you and me and me trying to help you win money. Help me help you. That's what we're here to do today on this show. So, I mean, we had a lot of things happen in this past week of football. Just before we dive into the, you know, with the actual minutia of this show, let's let's refer to the fact that we have big news coming out of Detroit today about Matthew Stafford possibly getting traded by this week before the Super Bowl. Not waiting into the offseason, not going into March right before free agency kicks off and people start to get an idea of what they're going to be able to go after. No, we are getting word that Matthew Stafford is expected to be traded this week. And for those of you who don't follow me personally, you can always follow me at BellyUpMDFFShow and my other show, MD's Fantasy Football Show, my main show during the season, especially. That'll be back in March once the free agency kicks off. And we'll start talking about all the fantasy football impacts of the free agency and start talking about some draft prospects. I have some film coming out on that soon. Some prospects, some guys have been watching film on. We break them down, you know, pro, you know, parlay them out as far as, you know, what do we think they're going to be? Where we think they're going to get drafted? What kind of fantasy value can they expect to have, whether it be redraft or dynasty or both, whatever the case may be. That's all coming out soon. That's what we're looking forward to. But that, that's why this is such big news, because usually... We'll at least wait to that point before we get any big transactions. For everything, it sounds like Matthew Stafford's going to be on his way to a new team, possibly this week. There's a lot of reports about that, not just from you know Ian Rapport and Adam Schefter, but pretty much anybody's close to the situation is expecting Stafford to be on a new team by the end of this week. Where will he go? Will it be the Rams? Will it be the 49ers? Will it be the Jets? Will it be the Colts? There's a lot of teams out there. From all reports, there's a lot of teams that were interested, which means Detroit's in a situation where they're going to get the top asking price. They're going to get whatever they want because they have that many teams interested. There's going to be a bidding war. It's going to make things really, really interesting. And then just to talk about, you know, we're talking about quarterbacks. Let's talk about real quick about Deshaun Watson, who is just doing everything he possibly can in the media to force his way out of, out of there. I mean, the Texans top brass because they don't want to trade him and they shouldn't want to trade him. It wouldn't make any sense for them to trade them other than they just hit a point where Watson just makes it so unbearably miserable 
that they finally just say, okay, we're going to go ahead and trade you away. And Watson's doing everything he can. He took them off. He took the Texans off his Twitter feed, all his social media accounts today. He's come out publicly and voice. Doesn't matter. You guys hired David Culley. doesn't matter what you guys do. I just want out of here. I'm done with this organization. So it's going to be really interesting to see if he actually winds up moving on. Is he able to put enough pressure on them through the media to be able to move on? Because otherwise he doesn't actually have any leverage, right? This is a guy who has already signed his contract extension just last year. So he has multiple years on his deal, multiple guaranteed money deal, which, which is also why it makes it kind of hard to trade him if you're the Houston Texans, unless it's the right team. Uh, there's a lot of things going there. If I had, you know, this is a betting show. We talk about DFS. We talk about bets. Uh, if there was a place where you could go to make a bet on whether or not Deshaun Watson was to get traded, I would still be siding on the, on the side that Deshaun Watson will be a Houston Texan come next year. It's just there's too many things working against the Texans to be able to trade him and especially be able to get back a package worth trading him for. And the only one I can even think of is, is the one involving the Dolphins, but I don't think the Dolphins want to do that. Look, that team is on the cusp of really being something like they should have made the playoffs. They did it, but you have to attack vote. You know, he coming off. It was a rookie year. He coming off the hip injury. You have to think he's going to get better. He's always a franchise guy. He was going to be the number one pick until Joe Burrow came up out of nowhere last season. This is a team that almost already made the playoffs. They have a good nucleus in place and they have a ton of draft picks. You're operating with Brian Flores, who comes from the new England Patriots mind of, of thought that, and you know what? I don't see why. He's going to sit there and say, I'm not going to trade away all my draft picks, all my building blocks. I know it's Deshaun Watson, but arguably speaking, you're supposed to have your franchise quarterback now already under wing. And I think it's the only deal that makes any sense for the Houston Texans. Anything else, you're going to get you're, you're going to get pulled short on. So it's going to be really interesting to see. I just wanted to kick off the show with that because that's been, you know, that's been the big reports all week long. But let's get into what this show is really supposed to be about, which is NBA DFS tomorrow, 7 o'clock Sunday. Again, make sure you click on the link, DC's DFS Challenge Tournament. If you're if you're watching this stream live on Twitter or on Facebook, it's, it's right there, right in the comments, right at the bottom. All you do is click the link. It's free to join. If you win, you become eligible for the drawing for January, which will be next show. It'll be next Saturday. We'll do the drawing for the names. We have four, you know, four qualifying names, like we do every month. And one of them will be the winner for hundred dollars which is a free championship football by Chaz Florida from Championship Footballs. Dot com. It's really a great gift there. And it, like I said, it's free to join. So there's no reason not to go ahead and click that link. So when you when you have four games, and that's what this is, this is four games at seven o'clock on Sunday. You have to take chances. You have to build your lineup around a certain idea, certain focus, whatever that is. If it's if it's trying to get solid players throughout the lineup, if you're trying to build around a couple of key star players and fill in the rest with sleepers. You have to center around uh, an idea, but at the end of the day, you're going to have to take chances on players. Now, for me, when it gets into these tournaments where there's not very many games to choose from, not very many players to choose from, and even in tomorrow's games, you know, you have some players that aren't going to play, some key ones that aren't going to play on top of it that really kind of muddy the water. And when when we're doing this, we're talking about it from a, a true tournament standpoint. And when you talk about this from a true tournament standpoint, you have to be able to take shots. You have to be able to take chances. So first and foremost, we'll kick it. We'll kick the show off with this. I built my lineup around three key players going into tomorrow's game. Built it around Fred Van Fleet at the point guard position, seventy-seven hundred dollars. It's a great matchup there against Orlando. 
He's been averaging about 40 points a game on DraftKings, going up against the 23rd. D 23rd team against the point guard position. It's a great matchup for everybody who's involved in Toronto too. And I paired him up with Pascal Siakam. There's no reason to think why Van Fleet and Siakam won't be able to dominate this game. Siakam especially been on a bit of a tear as of late in his own right. And I put Siakam actually in the utility spot at $7,600. So I can get some value in some other places. Like I said, he's been on a tear coming off of a performance against Sacramento uh, last night. When he had 40 fantasy points, 32 points, four rebounds, played 38 minutes. And he's been playing a lot of minutes as of late. They've been getting him going. He was a little bit slow to start, but all of a sudden he's starting to hit his stride now over the past couple of weeks. So I feel pretty good about Pascal Siakam against an Orlando team that, frankly, I, they don't have anybody who can stick him. They just don't. And with Siakam, it's a little bit, you know, this season especially, do you want to show up or not? And I know he's been dealing with some injuries, some knee swelling. He seems to be okay now. Like I said, he's played the last two games, and he's played at 35 minutes and 38 minutes the last two games, 35 minutes against Milwaukee, 38 minutes against Sacramento. So he's okay now, and I'm not worried about him as far as my health standpoint. But those are two games I feel really good about. I mean, Fred Van Fleet, he's been, you know, he's been Van Fleet. He's been great. He's been great. He's getting 35-plus minutes a night. He's getting the assists. He's dropping over 20 points four of his la- three of his last four games five of his last seven games. Coming off another a great performance against Sacramento where he had 50 fantasy points. The thing about Toronto right now, especially when you're talking about guys like Van Fleet and Siakam, is that while they're struggling a little bit against top opponents this year, more so than you're used to seeing Toronto do, especially in recent history, they are taking care of business in the plus matchups. They're doing what you want them to do in those plus matchups. And when you talk about from a fantasy standpoint, especially in a, a, like I said, a situation where you only have four games tomorrow in this, in this tournament that we're playing in, you want to be able to count on the guys. If you're going to pay up, do you have the top matchup? And are you performing well in those top matchups, in those easy matchups? And they are. So I have every confidence. This isn't going to be a situation where, you know, the star players that get out to a huge lead and then we have to worry about getting pulled in the fourth quarter. I'm not too concerned about that part because they've been taking care of business against those type of teams. So that's why I have Van Fleet and Siakam. The third big player that I went with was Joel Embiid. And, and Joel, going with Joel Embiid is a big reason why we had to go with a lot of sleepers throughout the rest of this lineup, which we're going to get into in a minute. But I talked about this last week with Chris Pinto. And I talked about how the center position for you fantasy football guys out there is very similar to the tight end position. Either you pay up for the best one possible or you take a complete flyer. There's really no point in going in between because you're going to need the money to fill out the rest of your lineup. So either you're going after that Travis Kelsey, or in this case, we're going after that Joel Embiid, or we look to punt. Now, last week we looked to punt. We did okay. Did pretty well. Came in third in this tournament. Somebody else won. But this week, I'm going to switch it up a little bit. Joel Embiid, who's on a MVP-like season, really, really flourishing under Doc Rivers, really living up to being what we always knew Joel Embiid could be if two things. One, he was in shape, and two, he's healthy. Now, he's actually, you know, he's listed as questionable with the back injury they suffered back when they played the Lakers earlier in the week. 
but he's played the last two games. And not only has he played the last two games, but he's plugged in. He had 38 minutes against the Lakers, and he had 27 minutes against Minnesota. So he's still playing a certain amount of minutes. I do expect him to be around the 30-minute mark. And even in 27 minutes against Minnesota, a lot of that had to do with the fact that the Sixers took care of business early and often in that game. Even in that game, 37 points, 11 rebounds, almost 60 fantasy points in 27 minutes. He's going to be out there. I'm not worried about him not playing as the Indiana Pacers. And the fact that this is not a back-to-back night, I'm not worried about his minutes. I'm not worried about Doc trying to rest him. Are the Pacers a great matchup for against centers? No. I mean, they're, they're top six in the league against the center position. It doesn't matter right now with, with the way Joel Embiid is playing. With the way the Sixers team is, is, quite frankly, feeding him the ball at every turn. That's been the big thing. I mean, not only is Doc a great coach when it comes to these post players, and we know this going back to the big three, the way KG always operated with, on that team. But Ben Simmons went to the point where he's, he's not even going to bother to shoot. He's just like, here you go, Embiid. I'll clean up the board. I'll make some other assists. I'll hit some of our, our, our three-point shooters on the outside once in a while. But we're doing everything we can to get Embiid the ball. And if we can't, then Tobias Harris is creating his own shot on the other side. And that's kind of how the Sixers' offense is working, and it's working well. Again, big difference when you get great coaches in, like Doc Rivers. So Joel Embiid is, is, is as surefire as they come, and... When you're looking at the top stars in tomorrow's matchups, the 7 o'clock hour of those four games, Joel Embiid is probably the bargain price, right? Because he's he's $9,900 when you're talking about the stars. We have other guys, the other superstars, like a James Harden type, who's you know 10600 on DraftKings. Kyrie Irving, who's 9300 on DraftKings. Which, by the way, look, right now that makes no sense. It, do, it doesn't. And I went, I went with neither one of these guys, but it doesn't make any sense that James Harden is $1,300 more than the Kyrie Irving. If you're looking to go with one of those two guards tomorrow in your lineup, you're going with Kyrie Irving. I know, I know the last two games, Harden has gone bananas. And there's going to be a lot of games where all, you know, Harden, Irving, Durant, with the way they're playing that Steve Nash, you know, a a disciple of Mike D'Antoni offense between those three and the way they're just trying to outscore people. All three of them could just go crazy. I mean, the last two games, yes, Hard's come off of a 60-point and a 70-point fantasy performance. It's hard to get better than that. But not every game is going to be 132 to 147. I know they're playing a lot that way, but not every game is going to be like that. And Washington, while, you know, I know Brooklyn plays no defense, but Washington's a team that is very inconsistent when it comes to scoring the ball. It depends on if Russell Wellsbrook's going to actually hit the side of a barnyard uh, on that day or not. That's pretty good. It comes down. Bradley Beal will be Bradley Beal, but it, will Westbrook actually be able to hit the broad side of a barn? Which is what I was trying to say earlier. That's the question. And, you know, you had that on top of the fact that Harden's still trying to get Kyrie going. He's still being passive to Kyrie Irving for the most part. He's been a little more assertive the last two games. So maybe he's starting to find his niche, starting to find where he can be aggressive and not always have to be passive to Kyrie Irving. But he's still being passive to Kyrie Irving to some point. 
And the problem is that when Kyrie Irving, when you're passing to Kyrie to a guy like Kyrie Irving, who's such a ball hog and just he's just gonna put it up, he's just gonna chuck it. It's always gonna, he's just gonna keep doing that all day long, every day. So I mean, they're not bad plays. Don't get me twisted. But if you're gonna go with one or the other, go with Kyrie. You're saving thirteen hundred dollars. He has just as much of a chance to put up as many points as Harden does because of his, because of the way that he's been scoring. Now, Harden has a, definitely has a higher floor because he's going to have the assists. They're putting the ball in his hands, and Kyrie Irving is now... I don't even know why he lists him as a point guard anymore, frankly. He's not a point guard. He's a small two. He's a small shooting guard. That That's what he is. Because he ain't looking to pass. Now that Harden's come in to be the point guard, Kyrie Irving's not even looking to pass anymore. It's not even part of his repertoire. It was never great at it, I thought, to begin with, but my goodness. I don't know how you can consider yourself a point guard with the way he's been playing lately. It's like, yeah, no, you can give me the ball, I'm going to shoot. Only if I'm double-teamed will I actually pass it off to, you know, one of my other big two on the team. You can't tell I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of Kyrie Irving. I'm just not. Especially not for this team, not with a Harden and the KD. I think a different... They could actually get a nice three complimentary player. I think they'd be better off than having a Kyrie Irving back there. Maybe somebody could actually play a little wing defense. Who knows? But I'd rather go with the value there. Now, the other value play could be Russell Westbrook if you're looking amongst the stars. 9000 so he's even $300 cheaper than Kyrie Irving. The last two games, he's put up very similar fantasy point numbers, and that's on a lot less minutes because, remember, Westbrook is still trying to get going here. 27 minutes uh, last night against Atlanta, 28 minutes against Houston, uh, the three days before that. They're ramping him back up. Well, he'll be getting back up to the 30-minute mark. He was talking today about how he feels a lot better right now. So I don't think it, I don't think it'd be long, and it probably would be this game against Brooklyn, going up against Harden, going up against KD. I think they would probably if he's if he is feeling good, like he says he is. I think there is a chance that Washington will go ahead and just let him run in this game. So I think there's a good chance to get a little boost in his minutes. We know we know Brooklyn won't play defense. We know that much. So a double-double for Russell Westbrook in this game in which they're going to have to lean on him and Bradley Beal a ton to even keep this game somewhat in the vicinity of being somewhat close in the fourth quarter, which I don't think it will be, but to have any chance they're going to need Westbrook and Bradley Beal to do their thing, I think there's a good chance Westbrook is looking at at least a double-double, if not a triple-double in this game. And he's 9,000 compared to Kyrie Irving's 9,300 or James Harden's you know, 10.6. So that, that could even be the biggest value play that you can go with there. Now, again, I went with Fred Van Fleet because the way I wanted to build out the rest of my lap. So let's get back to that. So we build around Joel Embiid. We build on Pascal Siakam. We build around Fred Van Fleet. Now, we don't have a ton of money to work with outside of that now, right? Got to find sleepers. Got to find guys that we can go with that's outside the box. Well, let's start off with the two-guard position. I wound up going heavy on this Sixer Pacer game because pretty much I'm putting all of my chips on. Let this be a game that winds up being a little more high scoring and some of the role players actually hit some threes. It's kind of what I'm banking on to, to fill out the rest of this roster with some value plays. It starts off with Jeremy Lamb, who's, you know, he's getting his way back to the lineup. He's getting conditioning back up. He blogged 31 minutes the other night against Charlotte. Only had 12 points, five rebounds, 27 fantasy points. 
but he did have 36 fantasy points a few nights ago against Toronto, where he dropped 22. And then against Orlando a week ago, had 34 fantasy points in that one, where he also dropped 22 and had seven boards in that game. Yes, it's a complete hit or miss. There's no doubt about that. But against the Sixers, who are not very good against the two-guard position or 20th, Lamb has a chance here when I expect him to play 30-plus minutes in this game to get hot. We know what happens if Lamb can get hot and he gets involved. And all of a sudden, when he starts hitting a couple threes, then he starts getting a few rebounds. And the next thing you know, you got a guy who at $5,200 on DraftKings winds up giving you a plus 30-point fantasy performance of $5,200. That's what you're going for here. Paired him up. I shouldn't say, well, no, I did. I paired him up with the extra guard position. And those, and, and, you know, make sure, you know, if you're listening to the show for the first time or you've never played uh, DFS for the NBA before, you have your starting five like you normally would, but then you have an extra guard, an extra forward, and an extra utility spot, just, you know, just so everybody knows. Paired him up with the extra guard spot with Justin Holiday. Now, Justin Holiday at $4,900 in this match against the Sixers is a great steal because this is a guy who over the last three games has been plugging a ton of minutes. 38 minutes apiece the last two games. The game before that, he had 30 minutes against Toronto. Now, of the last three games, though, only one of them did he go for 34 fantasy points. And that was against Charlotte, not last night, but a couple nights ago. Uh, 19 points, six rebounds in that game. But he's plugging a ton of minutes. ton of minutes. It's a good matchup here against the Sixers. And again, like I said, when you're in a situation where you don't have a lot of guys to choose from, you got to find value plays. Give me a guy who's playing this many minutes at $4,900. I will take my chances in what should be a favorable matchup for the position. A guy who might be able to get me 30 plus fantasy points at that price range. At the very least, I'm kind of looking at this as like either you or Jeremy Lamb should have a decent game. I'm going to have one of you guys, if not both, have a decent game in this one because I think the role players in this matchup are going to have to be dependent upon more on really both sides of the ball, which brings me to the Sixers point where I stayed in this game and I came back with Danny Green. $4,500 plus matchup against the Pacers. Remember, these, these, these guards don't play defense either. And his minutes have been kind of in a pattern. It's every other game with him. Every other game, he goes over 30 minutes. He'll have, he'll have one game where he's in the low 20s, and he'll have the next game he goes over 30 minutes. Well, guess what? He's coming off a game against Minnesota last night where he was in the low 20 minutes. So we follow the pattern that's been the pattern for the last two weeks, by the way. I'm not just like, this isn't just a, you know, a, a recent surge here. This has been pretty much for the last two weeks, every other game, he's been plus 30 minutes. So I'm looking at this game as him getting plus 30 minutes again. Again, for Danny Green, it's all about getting hot. Can you hit your threes that day? And as a veteran player, his legs aren't always going to be there, but it's not a back-to-back. Again, it's a good match against the Pacers. It's $4,500. If he does catch fire, you're sitting pretty. You're sitting on gold. And he's only a couple games away removed from the Laker game back on Wednesday night, I believe, where he did have plus 30 fantasy points in that matchup. So again, we're looking for value plays here. So basically, I am. I'm looking at this Sixers-Pacers game, and I'm looking at the guard play, and I'm looking at guys who I think have a chance to hit a bunch of threes. You have to take these shots throughout your lineups when you're looking at these type of lineups. At my power forward position, Danny Green was at the small forward. The power forward position, Jeff Green. 
Jeff Green has found himself in that fourth man role with, you know, him and Harris kind of go back and forth. Who's, who's, who's the fourth guy outside the big three when it comes for Brooklyn? Who's that guy? And with Jeff Green, he doesn't get as many rebounds as you would like him to. Usually averages somewhere between five and seven boards. But he's been plugging around 30 minutes a game over the last three games. Only, you know, this past game against Oklahoma City was the first game. He went under 30 at 29 minutes, but he had 31 against Atlanta, 34 against Miami. He's been averaging about 25 fantasy points a game plus. Again, good matchup with well, not a good matchup with Washington when it comes to the forward position, actually, but because all the focus and attention is going to be on the big three of Brooklyn, he gets to do what Jeff Green does best, which is you get to sit in the corner, and if you come open and you're wide open, you get to shoot that shot. And if it's the game where you have your legs and you actually hit that three a few times, well, now I'm sitting pretty because I only spent $4,900 on you in DraftKings. Felt his team. I'm looking to get hot from three. And in, in Jeff Green's case, if I get five to seven rebounds, it's more of a cherry on top than anything else. But he's been consistent. There's a floor to Jeff Green here, which is why I'm, I kind of like this play here at $4,900. I mean, over the last week and a half here, he hasn't scored less than 20 fantasy points. And usually around 25. He just gets to play that role. He gets to do what he does. He just kind of can, he can hang back, comes in the game, logs almost 30 minutes a game, and just gets to sit in the corner and make a couple of rebounds when, you know, the big three aren't paying attention. It's a value play here. Now, for my other forward position, the extra one went to a different game finally. It's like, whoa, I can't, I can't have everything in the Sixers Pacers game. So I'm with Edwards from Minnesota going up against Cleveland here. Great matchup. Cleveland here, you know, they're top, they're not top, they're bottom half of the league when it comes to the two-guard small four position. Edwards has been playing around 30 minutes a game again. It's kind of, I look for these, you know, these these cheap guys anyway. Because Edwards is coming in at, at $5,300. And look at these cheap guys. As long as they're plugging about 30-plus minutes a game on a consistent basis, you feel pretty good about what their floor is going to be. He's coming off of a game against Golden State where he just dropped 40 fantasy points because he had 25 points. He got hot. And he's been shooting the ball pretty efficiently over the past, I would say, week or so now how many rebounds you're going to get, assists. You're not going to get too many of that. You're hoping he puts up the points. And over the last four games, he hasn't scored less than 15 points. Real points, that is. Fantasy points, he hasn't scored less than 21 fantasy points over the last four games. So again, right now, he has a floor that you can go with. And they've been having to lean on him a little bit more, especially for some scoring coming off the bench. I expect that to continue here against Cleveland, who doesn't play a lick of defense, the guard position. So again, $5,300 coming in at the extra four position. Feeling pretty strong about that. I like my odds there. And that pretty much wraps it up for, for my lineup. But that's it, when you go through it, you know, like I said, there's a bunch of different strategies you can do. Is there a right answer? When it comes to DFS, it's more about hitting at the right point, especially when you're only talking about four games. So you're only talking about at max, you know, 60 players, not even more like 48. If that, 
to really, really be able to choose from. So do you want to pay up at certain spots or do you want to try to have a solid team throughout? To me, when you have that few games, you have to try to pay up at certain positions and hope that you can hit on your sleepers. Because that's the only thing, especially in a tournament. Now, if we're head-to-head, it's a totally different story. If we're, if we're talking about head-to-head, I'm not going with an Embiid. I'm going with value plays all throughout the lineup where I can have a solid lineup. But in that kind of situation, we're going for a tournament, hitting those sleepers and going with enough of those guys who can get hot. That's the only way you have a chance to stand out. It's the only way. So what we're going to do, we're going to come back. We're going to take a break. Come back on the other side in the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, and we'll talk about some Super Bowl bets that I have for you guys and some other things for you. Keep listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, the DC's DFS Challenge Show, also presented to you by Belly Up Sports, and we will be back with you guys right after these messages. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is DC's DFS Challenge on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back into the show, everybody. You are listening to the DC's DFS Challenge on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, also presented to you by Belly Up Sports. And there's nothing, there's nothing better, DC's DFS. as we keep hitting sounders here, there's nothing better for a sports talk show host then when you go on break and you have a blockbuster of all blockbusters to talk about coming out of the break. Now, I know this show is more centered around betting, but we have to talk about this. This just broke literally while we were on break, in case you missed it. We talked about earlier in the show, Matthew Stafford's going to be traded before the week was out. Apparently, he's going to be traded before this show was done. He just got traded to the Los Angeles Rams for Jared Goff, two future first-round picks, and a third-round pick. And maybe even one other pick after that. No, and a third-round pick. I'll say it again. Matthew Stafford was just traded to the Los Angeles Rams for Jared Goff, two future first-round picks, and a third-round pick. First of all, before we even get to the whole Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff situation, do the Rams have first-round picks left to give? I feel like they've done nothing but trade those away for the past, I don't know, four years in a row. I tell you what, I tell you what though. Well, this is this is a great move by the Rams, and I'm not gonna knock this, but they better win a Super Bowl. Sean McVay better win a Super Bowl because they have no future. It is all about the now. It is all about the now. This is crazy. Matthew Stafford, a Los Angeles Ram. Michelle McVay, after giving Jared Goff contract extension, after going to the Super Bowl with him, shipping him off to Detroit. Look out. NFC West, there's an arms race out there. We know the 49ers are going to get better because they're going to get their guys healthy and back again. And after this, I mean, unless they're pulling off the Deshaun Watson trade, I think you're going to be stuck with Jimmy G and therefore the third best team in that league, in that division. Arizona Cardinals made some strides. They have some talent. Seahawks will still be there. That is one crazy division. And in, in a, this today's day and age now with the new playoff format, I mean, you're looking at a division that very well could have, you know, three players, th- three teams, four teams even. Because now you have the extra wild cards, two wild cards. You could have the entire NFC West make an argument why the, that entire division should be going to the playoffs. That's crazy. It's crazy town. 
Matthew Stafford, a Los Angeles Ram. And what that's going to do for fantasy implications, I'll save that for in March. We'll talk about that a little bit more. For dynasty purposes, I'll, I'll mention this because that you know that's going to go on right now. Uh, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, if you guys are looking to sell them after a disappointing season this past year, uh, don't. Don't. Because now all of a sudden you're going to be able to hit the downfield throws. This has added something that the Rams are desperately missing. Now, they still need to go out and get a big play wide receiver, a down-the-field threat, a Brandon Cooks type. They have not been able to replace that. Van Jefferson's not that type of guy. But with Matthew Stafford... His arm ability, you're not going to have to play your entire offense based around the line of scrimmage within 10 yards, which is what basically Sean McVay had to do this season because Jared Goff somehow regressed this year from what we've even seen in years past. He did. He regressed. And that's why their entire offense had to be based within 10 yards. Now, you bring in Matthew Stafford, the play-action shots down the field, actually spreading out the field, that's all good things. If they're able to fix some of the issues in the interior of that offensive line, this helps out Cam Akers, it helps out Robert Woods, it helps out Cooper Cop. We know what Sean McVay can do as a play caller. I mean, good for Matthew Stafford. I wanted to see this guy go to a team where he'd actually have a chance to compete. He got wasted in Detroit, just like every good talent that goes to Detroit gets wasted. On the flip side of that, Jared Goff going to Detroit. I mean, we don't even know what kind of weapons he's going to have. We don't know if Kenny Galladay is going to come back. We don't know if Marvin Jones is going to come back. The only guy we know is going to be there for sure is DeAndre Swift. That's going to be interesting fit as well. We're going to have to watch that. Whew. Big trade. Big trade in the beginning of this show. Now, it's not what this show is about. We're about, this is the segment, this last half hour, we're about betting. We're about winning you money. And I want to talk, we're going to stick with football for a little bit. I want to talk about the Super Bowl. The main line right here is, you know, three and a half. And I guess before, before I get into it, remember, when you, when you bet with belly up, you're going to bet with BUSR.com. They're a fantastic international sports book that allows you to bet from anywhere at any time because they're international. From horse racing to casino and, of course, all of your favorite sports. BUSR has all the action you could want with a fast, secure payout system. So for a limited time only, all you have to do is go to the link, BUSR.com slash BellyUpSports, which you can find on any one of our social media accounts, at BellyUpSports, at BellyUpFantasy. It's everywhere. It's out there. And you will be able to sign up with a 20% sign-up bonus of up to $500. So that's up to $500 of free money for you to start winning now. So again, just go to the link, busr.com slash bellyupsports, and get that 20% sign-up bonus when you deposit today with BUSR, the best international sports book around. And the line on there, of course, and I think the line is pretty universal when it comes to the game itself. It's three and a half. Three and a half in favor of the Cheats. Oh, the Chiefs. The Chiefs. They're not the Chiefs. They're not the Patriots. I'm thinking of Tom Brady. It's a fair line. This game, I do believe, will be who has the ball last at the end of the game. And we're going to talk about this more next week, too, because, yes, there's a lot of key injuries that we're going to have to wait to see how this week plays out to see if some guys are going to play. I mean, at first it came out, Antonio Brown's expected to play. Now, this week they're saying that he might be doubtful to be able to go next week. 
Devin White on the defensive side of the ball for Tampa Bay. We're not, we think he's going to play. We're not sure about him. Sammy Watkins, we're not too sure about him. We thought he was definitely going to play this week as, uh, in the Super Bowl as well. Now, we're not sure about that. He's been missing practice all week long. We know Clyde Edwards Alaire is going to be good to go. We maybe Le'Veon Bell plays. So there's going to be this week is going to dictate quite a few things as far as who's actually available. But based on what we know right now, I think you do have to give the Chiefs the edge because they have Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he the performance he put on against Buffalo was was nothing short of incredible. The fact that that game wasn't even close, coming off a week where Mahomes had a concussion, had a turf toe injury. Had one of being a tight game against Cleveland at the end because he had to get knocked out for pretty much the entirety of the fourth quarter. And then to come back into Buffalo, not into Buffalo, but against Buffalo, and beat them 38 to 21 and look like he never broke a sweat while he was doing it. And given that Tampa Bay secondary is just, they haven't been playing as well as they were beginning in the season, you have to give the Chiefs the edge. But this game is going to be close. There's a lot of strengths and weaknesses here on both sides that kind of match up against each other. The one that's really interesting to me and why I think the better bet is going to be on Tampa Bay, now that I'm saying they're definitely going to win, but the better bet would be on Tampa Bay because there's going to be one key matchup that we need to see how the Chiefs handle it. Both their tackles are going to be out to the Chiefs in the offensive line. The defensive line of Tampa Bay not only is very, very good anyway, but is even better now with Vita Vey back in the lineup. So not only are the Chiefs not going to be able to run the ball, which maybe isn't that big of a deal because it's not what they've been doing anyway, but it's not even, I don't even know if it's going to be an option against this Tampa Bay team with that banged-up offensive line the way this Tampa Bay team plays against run defense. But now you have to deal with JPP, Vita Vey, Dominic Sue, all getting pressure constantly on Patrick Mahomes, who's not mobile right now. Not that he's overly mobile to begin with, but he's not mobile right now with a turf toe injury. What is Andy Reid going to do? Because that offense, they're not built around having guys chip the edge. Now, Travis Kelsey's a very good blocking tight end. He can do a little bit of everything, but then that takes away from his route runs. Can't take that away. Especially if you don't have Sammy Watkins, you're going to depend fully on Tyreek Hill. This, this offense isn't built around like, like the, the big example I use for this instance would be the Saints. The Saints build their offense literally around people chipping the wide receivers, chipping the edge to help out the pass protection and then running their routes. Chiefs offense isn't built that way. They're built to spread them out, be vertical, and be them. I don't know if you're going to be able to do that with the status of their offensive line against this defensive line Tampa Bay. I don't know if you're going to be able to do it. It reminds me a lot, actually, ironically enough, of when the Giants beat Tom Brady and the New England Patriots in that classic Super Bowl where the Patriots couldn't quite go undefeated. It reminds me a lot of that. When they were just dominated by that Giants defensive line, and even though the Patriots wanted to spread it out and throw it around and, and, and play aggressively at their offense, meant to do, they couldn't do it. They didn't have any time to throw the ball. This is shaping up to be something similar. And... Outside of the game last week or last week against Buffalo, the Chiefs have been starting off slow. Especially beginning the games offensively. Tampa Bay, over the past two months now, 
has gone the other way. They've been starting off games hot. They've slowed down a little bit as games go on sometimes, but they've been starting off the games hot. If Tampa Bay jumps out to a two-score lead in this game, and that defense line can pin their ears back and go, not that any lead is safe with the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, no matter how good the defensive line is. I'm, I'm not going to try to sit here and say that they're not going to be able to do anything, but that's going to be a big advantage Tampa Bay, given the status of that offensive line, given Tampa Bay's defensive line. And that's why when I'm looking at this, I'm thinking to myself, you know what? The money line on Tampa Bay is a good bet. It's a close game. You're getting plus 148 odds right now on BUSR.com if you take the money line. And that's a key, crucial matchup to me. Mahomes is Mahomes. Tyree Kill, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, the offenses, they're going to put up some points. And while Spagnola does a very good job with the defense, especially in the playoffs, and while the Chiefs are pretty good against perimeter wide receivers, Tom Brady's playing really, really well right now. You know, and it's not more, it's not just Tom Brady. Leonard Fournette's playing really well right now. Since they decided to go to him in the playoffs, Ronald Jones was hurt. But even last week, Ronald Jones was supposed to be healthy and they still stuck with Leonard Fournette. He's playing well right now. And Brady has found something with Mike Evans. I don't think there's anybody who could take Mike Evans away in the red zone at this moment. Not with the way Brady's throwing him the football. Now, the key there, though, I will say, is that if they don't have Antonio Brown, while Scotty Miller's been able to do his thing and Chris Godwin would operate as a slot receiver, having Antonio Brown really would have been that X factor for Tampa Bay. We'll, we'll see if maybe, he, maybe he can somehow come out there and perform admirably. That would be the key because having that slot, having that third slot receiver, the Chiefs can't take away that third option if you have one. They're not built to do that. So it's going to have to be a big game, I believe, for Chris Godwin. And Scotty Miller is going to have to be able to do his thing. Because this is what Scotty Miller, for being as small as he is, he's not a slot receiver. That's not what he does. He plays the perimeter. Comes in, he plays the perimeter. Chris Godwin gets to play more of the slot with Antonio Brown out of the way. But it's going to have to be the middle of the field. And if Brady plays like he did at the end of that game last week against the Packers, well, that's feasting time for the Chiefs. They they create Spagnuolo creates a lot of turnovers that defense. That's why this game's going to be back and forth. I think it's actually going to be a really good Super Bowl. I really do. But I think the better bet is on Tampa Bay because if you slow down Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs can't win. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now are in position where the opportunity to slow him down should be there. Think back to last year's Super Bowl against the 49ers. Ultimately, the Chiefs did enough to win that game, sort of. Some of that's on Shanahan, but that's for a different story. Because that defensive line was so active, and that was against a healthy Kansas City Chief offensive line, by the way. They were so active and able to get pressure and able to keep that offense uncomfortable pretty much the entirety of the game. It took all the way until a blown Jimmy G throw that the Chiefs were finally able to come back into that game at the very end. And that's why I say no lead is safe with the Chiefs, no matter the situation, as long as you have a Patrick Mahomes. But this Buccaneers offense is much better than that 49ers offense from last year. If they have them in a similar situation because the defensive line is dominating the line of scrimmage, which I don't see why they wouldn't in this game, I don't know that the Chiefs would be in the same position because the offense of Tampa Bay should continue to be able to move the ball and the score. Barring Tom Brady throwing a few turnovers of his own. So I think... I, 
I have to say, I think Tampa Bay has a good shot to win here. And as it stands right now, I think I was swing towards Tampa Bay. Now, like I said, we still have another week. I still want to see exactly who gets healthy and everything like that for everybody else. But I like Tampa Bay, especially at the money line at 148. Now, in a game like this in the Super Bowl, where you know it's going to be a close matchup either way, and I, you can make a strong case for either why either team would win this game. The three and a half, I don't know if I'm touching a three and a half because this game very well could come down to field. Like I said, I think this game is going to come down to who has the ball last. I'm looking at prop bets. That's what I'm looking for. And I'm looking at Mike Evans. You know, plus a thousand for first or last touchdown. But most importantly, plus 110 for scoring at any point. So I'm betting on all three of those. We talked about this last week with Chaz and made a really good point. If you think if the guy's going to score a touchdown at any point in a game, if you have a if you really, really like a guy to score a touchdown at any point, put some money on the first and last. You don't have to put a ton on there. And if it hits, you make off like a bandit. Not only do you hit your bet for scoring a touchdown, but you hit the first and last, and you're good to go. You can even throw a little bit of money on a parlay it up. Not everybody does the same player parlay. Some do. You have to check what it is. BUSR does not, and they're not one of those. But it's a good bet to have. Mike Evans, I don't know if I trust. Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, yes, are, are good bets to score, but they're also minus 175. You're getting better. You're getting a dollar and 10 cents, basically, on Mike Evans scoring a touchdown. And honestly, I would trust Evans to score a touchdown just as much as anybody in this game. So I love Mike Evans here for that bet. Also really have to like Leonard Fournette. Even when Ronald Jones was a starting running back, Leonard Fournette would still get those goal line carries. And I really think if Tampa Bay's smart here, they will have a plan to get the running game going against Kansas City. Get the play action open. Don't open up the game attacking the strength of the Kansas City defense, which is on the perimeter. You open up the game by getting them down the middle, getting them soft, getting them hurt up the middle. Pound them up the middle. But the way Leonard Fournette has been running through these playoffs... I see no reason why you wouldn't have the utmost confidence in doing that. Again, get Leonard Fournette plus 120. Plus 1050 for first and last touchdown. It's another really good bet. I'm not going to, unless I'm going to bet first, I'm not going to bet Travis Kelsey and Tyreek. I don't like to bet guys to score touchdowns if I'm not even going to get even money. There's no point. It's already hard to come by, even with guys you think are have a great chance to score as it is. If you're not getting plus money, I'm not putting on it for money to get them a touchdown. Just not. Now, the other line that I do like, as far as the teams go, is the is the over-under. The over-under set at 56 and a half. I'm going over. 30 to 27, I feel like, is the minimum we're going to see in this game. I do think one of these teams gets to at least 35 if not more. I think both of these teams could get in the 30s, especially with the way they've been scoring. I think we'll see the Chiefs put up a lot of points in the second half. You'll see Tampa Bay put up a big second quarter like they normally do. These are two offenses that are humming at the moment, playing well at the moment, and two defenses that play well at times, but you can definitely move the ball take advantage of them. And that's why I'm looking at this. To me, 56 and a half, I don't think it's a bad number. I think it's a good number, but 
You're telling me that you got you got think of it this way in your mind. This game at least has to be 30 to 27. It's going to be at least that. It's going to be at least that. With a really good chance that both these teams get in the 30s. I'm looking at plus 60 points. I'm definitely taking the over when it comes to 56 and a half in the Super Bowl. Come to the quarterbacks, it gets a little interesting here. Last week, I thought for sure Tom Brady would go over 300 yards, and that's what his prop was set at. This week, it's set at 295. And I think it's it's a strong enough number that I don't know if I'm going to bet that. 295 passing yards. Because again, like I said earlier, if Tampa Bay's smart, they're going to try to run the football with Leonard Fournette. And it's a situation where I think Tom Brady is set up to throw touchdowns in this game, but I don't know how many yards. Now, his touchdowns are sitting at three and a half. Or he's, he's got plus odds at three. Excuse me. He's got plus odds at three and a half. At two and a half, he has plus 130. That's the bet I'm making. I think he throws three touchdowns in this game. And if you're going to give me plus 130 on two and a half against the Chiefs in a game that I expect to be very high scoring, give me that bet all day, every day. It's a great bet for Brady. The touchdowns are going to be there. I don't know if he definitely gets to 300 yards. That one I question a little bit. I don't think you're going to see him connect on some of the big throws that he's been making throughout the postseason to get there. Now Mahomes, on the other hand, Mahomes, look, three and a half, that's the amount. Over three and a half is what you got to bet if you want to get plus odds. Otherwise, two and a half minus 150, that's not bad. It's a safe bet. You'll make a profit on it because I can. I would pretty much be willing to bet almost anything he throws at least three touchdowns in this game. Does he throw four? Does he throw four? And here's what I'm going to say. Yes. Yes, he does. The reason why I say he throws four is because, again, playing as a Tampa Bay front with that offensive line and the fact that they haven't had a running game to bust them into the goal line all season long. I think the Chiefs are going to have to come back from behind in this game. Whether, whether they win the game or not, either way, I think they're the ones who are going to have to make a push to come back from behind. There's a good chance you're going to see Mahomes throw the ball 50-plus times in this game. Give me four touchdowns out of Patrick Mahomes. So I'm going to bet the over three and a half at plus 185 as it stands now. Just given what I expect that game script to be and the fact that I have no faith the Chiefs will be able to run the ball at all in this game. I'm sorry. Yeah, I have no faith the Chiefs will be able to run the ball at all in this game. It's going to be all Mahomes. It's going to be on all Mahomes to score. And we're sticking with that line of thinking of we think both these teams can get in the 30s. We think both these teams... You know, we're going to go over the 56 and a half. Both these teams should be able to move the ball. Offensively, it should work. Am I worried about Tampa Bay being able to give him fits, especially early on with that defensive front and keep them uncomfortable? Yes. But even an uncomfortable Mahomes drops 28 points. Can't run the ball. So two and a half and minus 150, that's a safe bet. Again, if you just want to make sure you come out with a profit, that's a bet you make. But if you actually want to go get some money, 
Good odds of plus 185, three and a half touchdowns. I'm taking that with Mahomes. But Tom Brady is would be my my prop bet there for as far as the quarterbacks go at two and a half at plus 130. That is the the bet that I would be looking to make. The other bet that I'm definitely looking to make is Leonard Fournette over under 48 and a half yards. Rushing yards, that is. Yeah, I'm definitely taking the over on that. Again, I think he should have success running the football. He's been successful all throughout the playoffs. That's the one area where you should be able to attack this Kansas City Chief defense quite well. And I think they're going to look to take some pressure off Tom Brady. They're going to look to get play action open. So there's no Antonio Brown. Like I said, if they're smart, they're going to know that you don't just spread this team out and attack them on the perimeter. You just don't. So I like for now with the way he's been running at 48 and a half, 100%. Let's talk about the receiving yards. Oh, and by the way, I like Leonard Fournette over 25 and a half receiving yards too, by the way. I want to throw that one out there as well. Let's talk about the receiving yards. Tyree Kill over under 92 and a half. Remember the last time Tyree Kill played Tampa Bay? He lit him up. I'm taking over on the 92 and a half for Tyree Kill. We don't know if they're going to have Sammy Watkins. Carlton Davis cannot... First of all, he's fallen off a cliff since the beginning half of the season anyway, but he cannot keep up with Tyreek Hill. He just can't. And Hill's always been fast, and Hill's always been explosive, but he's hit a whole different level this season. No doubt about it. I don't know if it's because we finally got through a year where he didn't have any injuries, didn't have the hamstring issues. Like Once a year, he always seems to have some sort of soft tissue injury that kind of slows him down in the beginning point of the season. He didn't have that this year. And it shows. He looks more explosive now than I think I've ever seen him. And that's saying a lot when you talk about Tyreek Hill. There's nobody in that Tampa Bay secondary is going to be still stick with him. And because Andy Reid moves him all around and is very creative with getting him the ball, Todd Bowles and that Tampa Bay defense are not going to be able to sit there and double team him. You can't game plan to take him away because the second you do that, that's when Travis Kelsey kills you on the other side. He's going to get over 100 yards in this game. So Tyreek Hill at over 92.5 yards, definitely taking the over on that one. Feel great about that one. Travis Kelsey set at 94 and a half. That's a good number. Is there a decent chance he gets over 100 yards? Yeah, of course he is. He's Travis Kelsey. It's a big game against Tampa Bay. Of course, there's a decent chance he does. But I think 94 and a half is about the right number. Think about Travis Kelsey, especially this season, while he's been a monster in every sense of the word. It's been a lot of shorter passes. Like even, even against the bills, he goes over hundred yards, but it's like 10 catches for hundred yards. He's just not, he's not getting those bombs over the seam as much anymore. It's a lot of shorter stuff, you know, safety chain mover. And I think 94 and a half is a number that I'm not really going to go after, especially when you're talking about it's only it's, it's, it's minus 150. So it's not great odds there to go over 94 and a half. I definitely wouldn't bet the under which is plus 120. That's about the right number. I'm staying away from that one. Tyree Kill is the one I feel great about here. And then Mike Evans over under 63 and a half. Now, to me, they're trying to tell you something with this line. They're trying to tell you that they expect that perimeter defense, the perimeter secondary of the Chiefs to be able to limit Mike Evans. That's what they're telling you. Because with the way Evans has been playing, with the way Brady's been throwing him the football, In a game like this, I don't see how you're not 
tempted to bet the over. And it's it's almost even money. It's minus one second. It's almost even money for Mike Evans to go over 63 and a half. It's definitely a bet that I'm putting money on. I'm putting over on 63 and a half. And for the simple reason of if if Antonio Brown plays, then I might change my tune on this. This is this is only speaking right now of Antonio Brown, which as of now, we're not expecting him to play. He's doubtful right now. So Antonio Brown does not play. The way in which I have seen Brady target Mike Evans this season, when it was just a Mike Evans, Chris Godwin setup with a Scotty Miller as a third receiver. We've seen this throughout the year. Mike Evans gets targeted too much in this type of game to not think he's going to go over. He's not going to not go over 63 and a half yards. It's too much. So that's the other bet when it comes to the props that I'm really looking at here. And then one last one that we'll go over as far as rush attempts go. Leonard Fournette over under 11 and a half. I'm definitely taking the over. I think he gets he definitely gets at least 12 carries for me in this game. Again, I think they're going to come out at least early on, really try to establish the run. I think he gives a few goal line carries. Give me over 11 and a half carries for a Leonard Fournette. That's going to wrap it up for today's show. Again, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl bets again next week. Hopefully next week I'll have a full crowd back again. It won't be just me. I should have Pinto and Chaz and Mikey Betts and the whole full crew back uh, for that show. Next Saturday, same time, same place, 930 on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network at WWSRN Radio. Presents to you by Belly Up Sports. Make sure you're checking out BUSR.com slash Belly Up Sports, our new international sports playbook. You can get all the best odds and you can bet on anything you want to from anywhere in the world. Make sure you're checking out Belly Up Fantasy at Belly Up Fantasy on both Twitter and Facebook. You can follow me at any time at Belly Up MDFF Show. We'll keep you up to date throughout the week with all the player news notifications. Remember, make sure you click on the link free to join DC's DFS Challenge Tournament. Remember, you can get a chance to win $100 for championshipfootballs.com. Great gifts for you guys. Everybody take care. We'll be back next week. Be safe, and we'll see you again for the Super Bowl week next week.